So glad to be able to share good news each Wednesday night. You know, this is a, a bit of a teaching for all of us that church is not a specific location. It's not a specific time of the day. It's not a specific liturgy. Church is the people of God gathered together worshiping Jesus regardless of location, time, place. And so we are stretching the box. I know for a lot of you, maybe that grew up in church, but we just are glad to do it different this summer because we want to share the good news. And uh, and just with our community and with those of you that are here, we're so glad you could join us. And so today, uh, Pastor Frank is going to be preaching on Luke 23. It's in your, in your little uh, handouts there. And I'm going to be reading the first section. Luke 23, verses 33 to 38. This is Luke. Luke is a firsthand. All right, any more? Is that it? Okay, good. <laughs> Luke is a firsthand, you know, he, he got information about what happened to Jesus, and he wrote this gospel called the Gospel of Luke. And today's good news comes in an unexpected place and situation. It centers around the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Let me read Luke 23, verse 33. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing his garments among themselves. And the people stood by watching, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also ridiculed him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. Good evening, everyone. If you are in a vehicle listening through your radio, if it's working, can you give us a honk? Two honks? Either it's not, okay, if it's not working, honk. If you're not in a car, yell, hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, that, that answers it for me. I don't know if Mike said this already. Mike, i sorry, I wasn't following. But I, I just want to say thank you, Mike, Pastor Mike, and on behalf of Pastor Elijah and Abigail, we are just blown away by all the volunteers who show up every Wednesday, these last three Wednesdays, who are working their hands to the bones to make everything go smoothly. So thank you so much for all that you've done. It's been a balm to our soul to see you guys working hand in hand together. You know, everyone likes good news. And so I'm thankful that you're here tonight. I know you have other options to be other places, but we are thankful that you chose to be here with us tonight. There's hot dogs, we had drinks, the bouncy castle, the face painting, the gaga ball pit, the children's program inside, all fun stuff. But we have even more for you right now. We've got some really good news. This summer we've been talking about eight different people who had encounters with Jesus and, and through each encounter heard good news. We are in week, we are in week three of our eight-part series, and tonight we're going to hear from a couple of thieves, thieves who encountered Jesus 
and one who ends up receiving some really good news. The Gospel of John 19, 18 says this, they, There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. So our encounter begins on a small hill outside the city of Jerusalem where great crowds had gathered to see three condemned criminals die. But we aren't concerned with that crowd right now. Nearby is a centurion of the Roman army with a squad of soldiers who is in charge of the execution. And here are members of the Sanhedrin, the members of the religious courts. And there's the chief priest who had condemned Jesus to die the night before. But we aren't concerned with them right now. There are a few women nearby, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and some other women who followed Jesus from Galilee. But we aren't concerned with them right now. We aren't thinking about those who love Jesus or those who hate Jesus, for a moment we are not concerned about them either. Instead, instead, we face two men nailed to crosses on either side and Jesus on a cross between them. The two men on either side of Jesus are condemned to death by crucifixion. Both of them will die before the sun goes down. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in the middle. Our focus tonight is on those two men nailed to the crosses on either side of Jesus. And I assert to you tonight that these two men, in a very symbolic way, represent all of humanity. Yes, every person on earth, I believe, is represented by those two men on those two crosses. Everyone in the world, everyone here this evening is represented symbolically by these two tragic figures in this ghastly scene of a crucifixion. You see, like all of us, these two men are sinners. In the New Testament book called Romans, chapter 5, the Bible says, By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And, And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. What that means is when Adam chose to disobey God in in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of all time, sin entered the world, and that sin stained sin the world, and everything that was in it. And that's still the case today. Death is a reality because of sin entering the world. Now these two dying criminals, they've broken man's law and they're guilty. But they have a far more serious problem at hand. They are sinners facing a holy, perfect God. Again, in that same book from the Bible, in the book of Romans, the Bible says, For all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. I, I mean, some people committed outward sins like murder and adultery or stealing. Others have committed sins in their hearts by hating or lusting and lying. But everyone has committed sin. Everyone is a sinner by nature and by practice. Again, in the book of Romans, in the Bible, it says there is no one righteous, not even one. They have all turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. These two men, who are condemned sinners, represent the entire human race of sinners. Now let's not deceive ourselves. We are all sinners. And if we got what we deserved, every one of us would not see eternity with God. And since we're all sinners, we are all condemned by our sins. So these two thieves represent all of us, all of humanity. There's a book in the Bible in the New Testament called the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, that says this, it is appointed that humanity dies once, but after this comes judgment. So these two thieves died when the soldiers broke the bones in their legs so that they would die quickly. They have no one that we know of to mourn for them or, or to pity them. And you know, today in our society, uh, some people die slowly. Some die quickly. Some are attended to by doctors in the hospitals. Uh, some are alone at home when it happens. Some are mourned by weeping relatives and friends. Some have no loved ones around them. Nevertheless, we all die. And we die in some sense alike. We die sinners going out to meet a holy, perfect God. And I propose that these two men are like all of humanity because all of us at some time will have to face death. And you know, it's strange, but, but death comes as a surprise, doesn't it? We, we know it's coming, just, just like our tax bill is coming. We know death is going to come at one, one time for each of us. But it's always too sudden, just like our tax bill. And people are never ready. Whether death comes as a creeping cancer, which slowly drains away at our strength, or it pounces on us like a wild beast, unexpected and swift. Death is inevitable. All must die. And these two thieves represent all of humanity in their deaths. When I was a pastor up in Athabasca, Alberta, we had a unique relationship between the churches and the public school systems. The public schools invited the pastors, the churches, to come to their school and teach a religious education class, 45 minutes every Friday, grades four to grades eight. I got to teach grade six. Now, it was an opt-out course, which means that if parents didn't want their children in that class, 
They could sign a form. The kids didn't have to go, and the school provided an alternate class for them. But most of the kids wanted to be there. Some of the kids were faithful churchgoers with their family. Most of the students had never seen the inside of a church, ever. Like I said, a lot of the kids were glad to be there and learn. I got to teach the four Gospels in my class, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I got to teach all about Jesus. And I had some great conversations with some of these grade six students. I mean, fantastic conversations. But as many kids that were excited and glad to be there, there was always one or two or three who, I don't know what the technical term is. I think it might be there were stinkers. They, they like to cause trouble. They, they weren't always attentive. They couldn't sit still in their seat. They didn't do their sheet work. They, they just, they, it was tough for them to be there. And one of those young kids that I'm talking about, his name is Rhett. And Rhett, it was tough for him to come. His parents wanted him there, but he didn't want to be there. I don't think he listened to anything I said all semester long. We ended the class on Friday. We were the last class of the day. Students got to go home when we were done. And I went home. Saturday night, I get a phone call that this student, Rhett, was in an accident with his sister. It was an ATV accident. I think it's called a side-by-side. And he was driving. Neither had a helmet on. And when it rolled over, the doctor said that as soon as Rhett's head hit the ground, he died instantly. We all know that death is coming. But it's always way too soon. And what these two men on the cross discovered as they hung on those crosses, without clothes, without money, without anything in this world. The only thing that mattered at that point was eternity. The only important thing for them now is that they must meet God. Only their eternal fate matters to them now. Five minutes after you die, It will not matter if you are a rich man like Elon Musk or a poor beggar on Skid Row. It will not matter whether you drove a Lexus or had to take a bus. It will not matter whether you had a nice house or lived in a cardboard box under the freeway. It will not matter whether you graduated from a great college or or university or that you flunked out of high school. It will not matter whether you are a strong athlete or an invalid in a wheelchair. When death comes for you, as it did to these two men, nothing else will matter but eternity. And so I say all of you who hear me this evening, only eternity matters. And what foolishness is this that we are so concerned with the things of this world that we miss out on heaven? You see, Jesus is their only hope. Not what they stole, because they were thieves. Not who they knew, and not what they have. Jesus is their only hope. There they crucified him. And with him, two other men. One on either side, and Jesus in between. 
So the only hope these men have is that Jesus is there with them. These two men are already lost. They are already sinners. They are already condemned. They're about to die. Their only hope, their only hope is that God has sent Jesus to the cross to die in their place to pay for their sin. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10 in the Bible, it says, Jesus says, I have come that they may know life. What a substitute Jesus is dying in the sinner's place to pay the sinner's debt owed to God. He is suffering on the cross in the place of sinners. In the Old Testament, there's a a book called Isaiah, and it says this, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing or the sin of all of us to fall on him. So the only hope for these two sinners is that Jesus is there in between them to take the blame and the punishment for their sins. It means salvation from their sins is at hand. It is literally in reach. The fact Jesus is willing to die in their place demonstrates how much God loves them. He gave up his one and only son so that no person has to perish and go to an eternity apart from God. And the same is true for all of us here. God loves you. God wants to save you from your sin and from your sin's consequences. That is what Jesus dying on the cross means to us. What it ought to mean for you. Jesus has come down from heaven and has made himself a part of humanity. And he is there to receive all who trust in him. Another book in the New Testament called Hebrews chapter 7, it says this in the Bible, Therefore, therefore he, Jesus, is able to save forever those who come to God. Anyone can come to Jesus by faith and be saved by him. But time is running out for these men on the crosses. In a, while, in a little while, their last opportunity to be forgiven and be saved will be gone. We find out that one man trusts Jesus while the other one rejects him. Both of them are equally guilty. Both of them are condemned. Both of them are dying in their sins. One is no better than the other Both of them are sinners condemned to die and are going to an eternity without God, but one man trusts Jesus while the other man rejects him. We are told in the Gospel of Mark that that both of the thieves actually mocked Jesus. And And they made fun of him and they spoke out against him earlier that day. You see, these two men were hardened criminals, hardened sinners. There's no difference between them. They were both lost sinners. But one man, one man trusts Jesus, while the other one rejects him. One of them is convicted of his sin. 
Let me read to you the rest of the scripture that Pastor Mike started in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. It says this, One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself in us. But the other answered, and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed are suffering justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Suddenly, one of the thieves does an about face. Maybe it was seeing Jesus do nothing in retaliation against the Roman soldiers, or even against the thieves' own spiteful words. Maybe it was hearing Jesus cry out to his Father in heaven, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Maybe the thief's guilt was so suddenly, so heavy on his soul that he knew he needed to change direction. But for whatever reason, the Spirit of God touched his heart and he confessed his sin. He repented. He turned away from his sin. Meanwhile, the other thief kept insulting Jesus. But this other thief had become sick of his sin. And he confessed out loud so everyone could hear that they were suffering justly. We are receiving, he says, what we deserve because we are guilty. He admitted his sin. He acknowledged publicly, that he was a sinner. And now he's putting his trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That was his mission. That was his goal. That is his purpose. This man knew he was a sinner. So now he was trusting Jesus to save him from his own sin from the consequences of his sin, and from the penalty of his sin. He has watched Jesus dying on a cross right beside him. He heard the prayer of Jesus, Father, forgive them. He saw how loving and caring Jesus was with the people in the crowd who were watching. And the thief says, this man, this man Jesus has done nothing wrong. That was the truth. He had heard the chief priests accuse Jesus of claiming to be God. He heard the accusations of blasphemy that he was able to forgive sins. But suddenly, this thief knew in his heart that Jesus really is the Savior. This man now has a very simple faith produced in his heart by the Spirit of God. And he says to Jesus in Luke 23, I just read it. He says, Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's talking about heaven. Jesus, remember me. When we all die on on these crosses, remember me when you get up to your kingdom in heaven. Remember me, please. Remember my name and my face. Remember me. 
It was a very simple thing that he said. He held nothing back. He was putting his trust now only in Jesus. And so Jesus responds to him. He says, truly, I say to you, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, when, you're, when you die on this cross, today, when I die on this cross, today, you will meet me in heaven. You will be with God. I promise you. Jesus just promised this thief on the cross eternity with God in heaven. The thief did not have to earn his way. He didn't have to buy his way. He didn't have to make a deal to get eternal life. He just asked for it. And he got it. It's that simple, folks. It's that easy. And that's great news. That is great news. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out and we're going to sing together a song about great news. You may be seated. You may be seated. I didn't tell you the whole story, to be honest with you, about my grade six student, Rhett. I didn't tell you the whole story. One of the last, the Friday before he passed away, I got to teach this story that I'm preaching here tonight. The, the scriptures about the two thieves and Jesus on the cross. And that young student, Rhett, couldn't sit still. He, he never could sit still. And he was all over the place and he couldn't concentrate. It was like every other Friday, to be honest with you. But at the end, when I dismissed everyone to go home, because it was the last class of the day, Rhett stayed behind and he came up and he said, Pastor Frank, I want to do what that thief did. And I said, Rhett, what do you mean? What did the thief do? I, I want to trust Jesus. And I said, Rhett, do you believe there's a God? He says, yes. I said, Rhett, do you believe that, that, that you do sin, that you do bad things? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah, he said, I believe that. I said, and are you sorry for those things? He says, I'm really sorry. And I said, would you like to pray with me? He says, I would. And so uh, we had a little prayer book, and I had him read the prayer, and then I prayed with him. And I said, Rhett, do you know what this means? It means that right now, right now, you are a Christian. And that means no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens to you, you get to see God in heaven one day. And then I got that call the next night that Rhett had a rollover in his ATV side by side with his sister, and he died upon impact. Sudden. Super sad. The largest funeral I ever did. It took three pastors to do this funeral. This was such a well-known family in our community. It was such a well-attended funeral. And you know what? His sister, who was in the great lore, gave her life to Jesus. And then her mother gave her life to Jesus. And then her father. And then they went out. Month after month, year after year. And they, were, they couldn't stop telling people about how great Jesus is. The good news in this encounter in our scriptures today is this. Through a simple act of contrition, of simply admitting your state as a sinner, 
that you confess your sin, that you turn away from that sin, that you just trust in Jesus, you are immediately forgiven. And your eternity with God is assured. In that quick moment of time, just before he died, alongside of Jesus, on those three crosses, this sinful man trusted Jesus and he was saved. There was no doubt about it at all. Jesus was so sure that this Amen. man was now saved that he said to him, today you're going to be with me in heaven. Not tomorrow, not someday, not when you've earned your way in, not when you trick your way in, not when you buy your way in. You will be with me in heaven when your time on earth is done. In about six minutes, Jesus said. You see, the moment that you trust Jesus, the same is true for you, you will receive eternity with God when your time on earth is over. For that thief, it was minutes away. For Rhett, my student, it was 24 hours away. How about you? How about you? When will it be your turn to give Jesus your full trust? What about the other thief? What happened to him? Well, we see no record of him confessing his sin. We see no record of him repenting of his sin. We see no record of him trusting Jesus. With salvation an arm's length away, literally, this second thief died into an eternity without God. And we're told that's a state of darkness it's a state of pain and torment because you know that you've rejected the only one who could and would have saved you. And there they crucified him. And with him, two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. If you would like to accept Jesus' gift of eternal life, accept Jesus' gift of forgiveness and put your trust in him. I would ask you the same thing I asked Rhett, to pray a prayer with me. You can pray it out loud in your seat. You can pray it quietly in your heart. It's called the sinner's prayer. It's a very simple prayer, not too much longer than the one the thief uttered to Jesus. It's located on the back of your bulletin. Just go take a look. I'm going to pray, and if you want to pray along in your heart or out loud, I invite you to do so, but I'm going to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins. Right now, I turn from my sins and open the door of my heart and life. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed this prayer, if you've confessed your sin, and if you've turned, you're ready to turn away from that sin and put your trust in Jesus, then let me be the first to say this. Congratulations. You have been saved by Jesus. You are utterly and completely forgiven. And when your time on this ball of mud is over, you will get to have eternity with God in heaven. Amen.
Because if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. And if we declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe it in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And that's good news. And that's good news. And do you know what you do with good news? Is you tell other people about it. And so we have a couple folks up here will come up on this side, I think, Pastor Mike and a few others, and, and they'll love to pray with you or talk to you about next steps or what do you do now? Or maybe you didn't pray the prayer and you'd like to. I'd invite you to go see them or walk down to the white tent to talk to the people in there. We have some material for you, a card that you can fill out. Because once you're saved, you want to tell other people because good news needs to be spread. So please, if you pray, if you pray this prayer with me tonight, I want you to go and tell someone. Now, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sing again because this is a song of celebration that we just sang. We're going to say it again. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing one more time this lovely song called Rescuer.